This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Michael Cohen violated the president's attorney-client privilege by releasing tapes of their confidential discussions. And the opposition media thinks that's just peachy. Trump's last-minute endorsement in the GOP primary for governor of Georgia powered the underdog to a landslide victory. And the pedophile culture in Hollywood is rallying around disgraced director James Gunn, even as more revolting videos surface. With these stories and more from a nationalist perspective, I'm Jim Dawes and this is America First Radio's Daily Brief. Thank you for joining America First Radio. This conversation never ends. You can follow us on Twitter at AmFirst Radio and friend us on Facebook at America First Radio with Jim Dawes. Then you can share it with your friends, weigh in on the conversation, insult the host, and you'll all get early notifications as soon as these shows are posted. America First Radio is proudly carried on the Talk America radio network, the new dominant force in conservative talk radio, and on Mojo 5.0 talk station on Dash Radio. We air each weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern, but if you miss a broadcast, you can always listen on demand on your favorite podcast directory or directly at our website where you'll find all the archives at AmericaFirstRadio.com. So tell me again about uh, raiding the president's private attorney's office doesn't violate his attorney-client privilege uh, because now uh, recordings that Michael Cohen surreptitiously made uh, with his client, the President of the United States, have been leaked, and, uh, and they played them on, um, on CNN last night. And this, uh, this tape that they released is talking about um, making a payment for a non-disclosure agreement to a Playboy model that uh, Trump is, uh, that claims she had a illicit affair with uh, Donald Trump over a decade ago. Trump denies it. She insists that it's true. I don't know. I know uh, that men of great wealth or, uh, or celebrities sometimes um, choose to pay these things to, to keep them out of the newspaper, especially when this one was uh, erupting just before um, the, uh, the presidential election was coming along. Now, uh, on the tape, it's about two minutes long, and I'm going to play it for you here shortly. Uh, Trump is not uh, heard admitting to any of this. Matter, matter of fact, in the two-minute tape, only about a minute and ten seconds are actually related to this, uh, this transaction or this proposed transaction. It never actually took place. But um, the president never admits to it. Um, he's not discussing whether or not, uh, you know, um, it's a, a wise thing to do. He, he sounds as if this is just the price that he needs to pay uh, to get past the election without this uh, feeding the uh, outrage machine of the, of the media. 
It's uh, it's a conversation between Cohen. Cohen was uh, surreptitiously tape recording it. Came uh, came weeks after the National Enquirer paid this former Playboy model. Her name is Karen McDougal, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for her story, but then never published it. Now it's been widely characterized that um, this was an effort by um, the National Enquirer magazine to uh, catch and kill this story. We don't know that for a fact. We do know that um, they buy these stories sometimes before fully vetting them and that uh, if the story doesn't, uh, doesn't check out completely, if they can't prove it by a second source, then going to press with it is a very dangerous uh, thing to do because they could get the pantsuit off them. In this case, uh, Trump was in fact... Uh, acquainted with the publisher of the National Enquirer magazine, so uh, it is possible that uh, they were they were somehow trying to assist Trump's campaign. Knowing the National Enquirer, I'm I'm kind of doubting that. But there's a lot of uh, things that are around this case that are being spun by the media that also have a perfectly plausible alternative uh, explanations. The only ones we hear are the ones that uh, do the most damage to the president of the United States. So um, Cohen, Michael Cohen, is now represented by Lanny Davis. Yes, that Lanny Davis, the Lanny Davis that is the uh, the fixer for uh, the Clintons. <laughs> Lanny Davis is, was Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton's uh, Michael Cohen, basically. The guy that's out there, you know, trying to tamp down uh, bimbo eruptions and and other other uh, events. So Lanny Davis, uh, I, I guess I'll play you this clip first. This is Lanny Davis appearing uh, with George Stephanopoulos, uh, and it's kind of a long clip, but uh, sort of sets up how the media is trying to spin this uh, this audio recording and then I'm going to play the audio recording for you for for your you directly and you tell me whether the two um, representations comport with each other mm -mm. come on now After a year and a half and recently an intense campaign of disparagement and lies and smears against Michael Cohn from the Trump camp, primarily by Mayor Giuliani, inventing words in a transcript that didn't ever get spoken, as you just heard. The word is cash. Everybody should listen to the tape and see whether I'm right or not. Just listen. I, want, I do want to get to that, but how, how do you respond to Mr. Giuliani's claim that it's outrageous that a lawyer was taping his client? Well, it changes the topic. Why did Giuliani lie about Michael Cohen, saying that he's the one who said cash, just as he lied when he said that Donald Trump, in fact, didn't say... It may be changing the topic, but what, what's the answer? Why was uh, well, he Well, Michael Cohen has an answer to why he taped conversations, and I think he'll have to give that answer himself. I can't reveal... Well, first of all, there is no justification for an attorney taping a conversation with his client, and there's certainly no justification for then that uh, attorney releasing that client or that uh, recording into the public. 
that, but I will say that Michael Cohen has turned a corner in his life, and he's now dedicated to telling the truth to everyone, and we'll see what happens. Let's get into some of the specifics right there. You say he said cash. That's, that seemed to be what I heard as well, but it is, it is a little bit garbled. Giuliani says that he was saying, don't pay cash. What if it was cash? What's the significance there? It's about lies and truth. Giuliani can't make up the words, don't pay. I say to everybody who voted for Donald Trump, don't believe me, I'm a Democrat. Listen to the tape. The oh, we're going to listen to it. Words don't pay are not heard. The word cash. So it's not about cash versus not cash. It's about truth. And the power of the truth is what Michael Cohn now has, no matter what Giuliani invents or Mayor Giuliani invents for a president who's been known to lie. Don't believe me. Listen to the tape the way John Dean had a tape that did in Richard Nixon. Say well, we got uh, we got Lanny Davis on here on, on Stephanopoulos. Now, they don't play the actual tape on the Stephanopoulos show. And when I went uh, to read the stories this morning, all of them represented this the same way, that uh, Giuliani was lying about this, that uh, Trump never says, don't pay with cash. But none of them carried the actual audio. You have to go to the uh, CNN show with uh, Chris Como, who actually played this, to find uh, the audio recording. And on that show, Chris Como uh, puts up a big super graphic on the screen that says uh, pay with cash. Instead of don't pay with cash, it quotes Trump as saying pay with cash. I'm tempted to just play you that clip. I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play you the clip, the, uh, the specific part of the recording, uh, where they allege that Trump says pay with cash and does not say, as Giuliani represented it, don't pay with cash, and you tell me what you think. Well, that was uh, that was uh, about four or five loops. Uh, obviously, the uh, the president is that middle one. Um, Cohen is is heard on there saying no, no, uh, after the uh, president says what sounds very clearly to me: don't pay with cash. <laughs> it says just as clear as day, don't pay with cash. Now, this is truly Orwellian. The fake news media is determined to spin this into their outrage machine. And despite what is fairly clearly on the audio saying don't pay with cash, they insist that it says pay with cash. The payment was never made. But this, this recording that cuts off sort of suspiciously right after this, did, are we to believe that Cohen just uh, turned off the recording or was he trying to um, uh, uh, you know, erase the rest of the recording because it didn't um, incriminate his client. Was he keeping this uh, for future use someday to, uh, to hold over the president? I don't know, but it's pretty odd that a lawyer would tape record his own client and then um, release this. We're going to, uh, coming up on a break just here shortly, so I'm going to have to wait 
uh, and to, to play you the full uh, clip, it's about two minutes and 40 seconds, about a minute and a half of it is relevant, but I don't want to, to see or uh, keep any of it from you. Mm-mm. Sorry about that. We'll be back right after these messages on America First Radio. You know what's really amazing about this whole revelation that uh, that Michael Cohen was tape recording his clients' uh, conversations, and that the media uh, doesn't see any problem with uh, with putting that out there is none of this that uh, that takes place on this recording or anything around the uh, the situation with um, uh, this uh, this Playboy model is even represented to be. Uh, somehow against the law there were some vague representations that this could be a, a campaign via uh, a finance violation that is uh, so ridiculous to be to be laughable um the fact of the matter is that uh, the uh, the president uh was talking about paying this out of his own pocket not using campaign funds and just because uh it may have um you know, silenced uh, somebody that was going to make an accusation against him doesn't make it a campaign contribution. If, and even if it was, he was making it himself. But because this would be uh, something that he might want to do uh, for himself anyway, then it couldn't be considered a campaign finance violation. But it just amazes me how the fake news media, and I guess, you know, that they're so aggrieved that the president has been exposing them for uh, being the political hacks that they are, uh, that, that, you know, that they take every opportunity to get revenge on him. Uh, but they, they have absolutely no problem. They've totally thrown all of their journalistic ethics in the uh, trash can. And now they're, uh, they're complicit in violating Trump's attorney client privilege. And I just want some of these uh, talking heads that uh, kept saying after the raid on Michael Cohen's office that none of this violated the president's attorney-client privilege. But first, Cohen's going to uh, going to pay uh, the price for this. He's probably going to get disbarred because he has violated in, in the most uh, outlandish way possible the president's privilege. But even if he wasn't, he would never ever get another client, legal client, again. Um, because of, of this despicable action. And, you know, uh, Michael Cohen before this had a pretty good argument that he was being politically, that his prosecution and the raid on his office was politically motivated, and, and he had a good argument to make uh, for the president to pardon him. <laughs> I kind of doubt that the president's going to be in the mood to pardon him after this uh, this stunning betrayal but i'm going to play this uh, clip for you here this uh this long clip uh so the about the first um 40 seconds of it really doesn't have anything to do with this but i don't want to um 
it to be said that anything was withheld from you. Uh, listen closely, and you tell me if it's not fairly clear that the president doesn't say don't pay with cash. Let me know what's happening, okay? This is not related to the conversation with Cohen. Sounds like the president's on the phone. For that one, you know, at what they can do to get rid of this because it's so false. The recording device is in Cohen's pocket. You can hear it. Uh, I think I think this goes away quickly. I think what I think it's probably better do the Charleston thing just this time. Uh, yeah. In two weeks, it's fine. I think right now, it's it's better. You know? Okay, honey. You take care of yourself. Thanks, Pam. Yep, I'm proud of you. So long. What's up, Mike? Great poll, by the way. Yeah. Seen it. Great poll. Making progress. Big time. And you guys are good guys. Oh, Pastor Scott? Can believe no. Pastor Scott, what's, what's happening? Oh, no. Who's, can we use him anymore? Oh, yeah. hundred. No, you're talking about Mark Burns. He, we felt him well, just... I, I don't mean that. Uh, Mark Burns, can we use him? No. Anymore? No. Richard um, Leffer, I'm sorry, Richard uh, Leffer just called. He just had me have a chance. He had an idea for you. Okay. Um, so we got served from the New York Times. I told you this we were recording oh, wow. to unseal the divorce papers with Ivana. Um, we're fighting it. Casowitz uh, is going to never be able to get that. Never, never. Casowitz doesn't they'll ever be able. They don't have a. Give me a coke, please. They don't have a legitimate purpose. And so a woman that doesn't want to see. Correct. So the New York Times is trying to get his divorce records unsealed because they want to find out any sort of salacious details they can uh, to, to drag the president down. Uh, and now I think this is the part of the tape where they actually get into the, uh, the relevant uh, transaction here. Yes, and it's all it's been going for, a while. for about two, three weeks now. All you have to do is delay it for Even after that, it's not going to ever be opened. There's no, there's no purpose for it. Um, told you about Charleston. Um, I need to open up a company for the transfer of all of that info regarding our friend David, you know, so that I'm going to do that right away. I've actually come up and, I've spoken, me. and I've spoken to Alan Weisselberg about how to set the whole thing up uh, with so what are we funding. The, uh, yes. So what he's talking about right now is setting up one of these shell companies in order to write a, a check um, to, I think he's actually talking about buying the rights to this story from the National Enquirer. Um, and it's all the yeah, stuff, all the stuff, because, you know, you never know where that company, no, you never know where he's going to be. Gets it by Correct. So I'm, I'm all over that. And I spoke to Alan about it when it comes time for the financing, which will be, listen, what financing? We'll have to pay you. So no, pay no, 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 no. I got, no, no, no. Hey, no, how are you? So that, that's it. Uh, he, he says right there at the end, um, Cohen says, uh, set up the financing. And the president says, what financing? Now, you got to keep in mind the president's a real estate guy. When he hears financing, he's talking about, um, you know, paying for something over time. The president says, what financing? And then uh, Cohen says, we'll have to pay for it. And the president says, don't pay with cash. Here it is again. Which will be, listen, what financing? We'll have to. 
pay you. So no, 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 no. I got no, no, no. Why is that so complicated? How how did the the media uh, th that has experts that can isolate that tape spin this to where he's saying pay with cash when it's pretty clear he's saying don't pay with cash? I'm going to play you the the loop that I put together again. It's just as clear as day. Pay you so. So they're clearly misrepresenting this. This is Orwellian. They're taking a, a, a tape that, if you listen to it, is pretty clear on what it says, don't pay with cash, and they're telling you it says pay with cash. And they expect you to believe it, and they're, they're withholding the tape pretty much from you because instead of this being, thing uh, being splattered all over the place, they're just writing the story. In, instead of playing it on the interviews, they're just talking about it. These people are truly um, sick with this uh, anti uh, this uh, um, Trump derangement syndrome. Well, the president uh, exercised his political muscle and um, and at the last hour weighed in on um, on an endorsement uh, for Brian Kemp for the GOP candidate for governor in the primary runoff election uh, there. In Georgia, he was running against uh, the lieutenant governor, Casey Cagle. I know both the men. Um, I, I really like Casey Cagle. He's, he's always been a uh, stand-up guy in my experience, and he's got a long ex experience uh, there in the legislature, uh, legislature of Georgia. As lieutenant governor, he is the, uh, uh, basically the, uh, the leader of the Senate. And I think he's run the, the Senate uh, very, um, very successfully, but, uh, Kemp is a bit, a little bit more strident in his um, anti-illegal immigration stands. Actually, a lot more strident, and I believe that's why the president weighed in on behalf of Brian Kemp, and um, and Kemp went from about 17 points behind to a walk almost overnight on the strength of Trump's endorsement. Uh, I think Casey Cagle feels uh, somewhat you know, justifiably hurt by this uh, because it, it's, it sort of came as a, a shock and Casey Cagle has uh, been, you know, toiling in the trenches for many years waiting for his chance to run for governor. And I think he, you know, um, has a good argument to make for that. Uh, but Brian Kemp uh, wins uh, the, the right to face Stacey Abrams for governor of Georgia and uh, will most undoubtedly win that race. we got to run out to a break. Be right back. Say a few more things about this runoff uh, GOP governor runoff in uh, in Georgia to face Stacey Abram, the Democrat uh, candidate, uh, in the fall. Um, Cagle was a strong uh, George uh, Jeb Bush supporter, and uh, Kemp was a Trump enthusiast uh, throughout. He never wavered. So this is uh, this is the president uh, being loyal to the people who are loyal to him. Uh, now, Abrams, Stacey Abrams, 
the former House Minority Leader, would be the first black female governor of Georgia if elected. Uh, she's campaigned on spending more on le- on education and uh, uh, standing up for voters' rights in the Democratic Parliament. So that means no voter ID. Uh, Georgia currently uh, requires voter ID, but she wants to do away with that. There's no indication that it has hurt, uh, kept anybody from uh, legally voting in Georgia. But for some reason, she's uh, towing the Democrat line and wants to do away with uh, Georgia or uh, voter ID in Georgia. But it's just amazing how the president uh, just powered Kemp right across the line. The only problem I see with this is in the uh, runoff election against Casey Cagle, uh, Brian Kemp really cultivated the rural uh, vote uh, because he he figured that uh, the rural vote would be more valuable than the suburban and urban uh, Republican vote. And he, uh, along with this um, endorsement for Trump, uh, was absolutely right. Uh, but I, I'm hoping that um, some of these ads that Kemp has put out that are sort of over the top, he's he's got a bus painted up as a deportation force, and uh, he's uh, he's seen sitting with a, a potential suitor of his daughter um, with a shotgun. I'm going to play you this clip. This is a 30-second commercial that Kemp put together. He's sitting by a fireplace with a young man, and he's uh, he's polishing his shotgun. I'm Brian Kemp. This is Jake. Young man interested in one of my daughters. Yes, sir. Jake asked why I was running for governor. I said, one. Cap government spending. Two. Take a chainsaw to regulations. Three. Make Georgia number one for small business. And two things if you're going to date one of my daughters. Respect. And? A healthy appreciation for the Second Amendment, sir. We're going to get along just fine. <laughs> Brian Kemp for governor. It's, it's a good commercial. It's, it's uh, nothing wrong with it, but uh, I'm, I'm afraid it might turn some of the uh, suburban um, uh, voters in the ring around Atlanta uh, off. We'll have to see. I, I don't think that uh, Stacey Abrams uh, stands any chance of uh, winning this election despite the breathless support she's received from the New York Times and Hollywood. There's an interesting story story out of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals out in Hawaii. Now, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is is notorious for left-wing uh, rulings. Uh, they're overturned on appeal 85% of the time. 85% of the rulings that come out of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals are overturned normally because they are, you know, far-left uh, rulings that... Uh, that are, uh, you know, activists in nature where they're trying to uh, make law instead of um, interpret the law. And, uh, you know, they've got far-left lunatic judges. They struck down the travel ban. Uh, they've, they've repeatedly. Uh, but in this case, very unusual case, they've ruled in favor of a Second Amendment case that overturned Hawaii's restrictions on, um, on open carry. The plaintiff uh, was named George Young, and he sued the state of Hawaii for denying him a concealed carry permit twice. Hawaii is one of those may-issue states as far as concealed carry, and according to uh, their gun laws, they almost never issue concealed carries. May issues, but uh, no issue, uh, but is in fact no issue in practice. So Young challenged Hawaii's ability to deny him his Second uh, Amendment right. And that was dismissed, the concealed carry. So then he sued 
saying uh, you know he had a right to open carry as uh, as part of his Second Amendment's rights. And the appeals court for the Ninth Circuit uh, ruled on Tuesday that the Second Amendment protects the right to open carry for in public for self-defense, rejecting the claim by Hawaii's officials that it only uh, that the Second Amendment only applies to guns carried in the home. Well, a gun, you know, at home is not going to do you much good for self-defense when you're out in public, obviously. It was a uh, two-to-one uh, ruling by a three-judge panel. They voted to re- uh, reverse the district court in Hawaii um, and, uh, and, and, and ruled in favor of George Young. Judge uh, O'Scanlan wrote, We do not light, uh, take lightly the problem of gun violence, but for better or worse, the Second Amendment does protect the right to carry a firearm in public for self-defense. So you just hope that this is not one of those uh, many cases out of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals that gets overturned because this is a great precedent um, from a very, very unexpected place. I looked uh, when I first read this and wondered if maybe um, you know Trump had been able to replace some of the um, judges on that circuit, but none of these uh, these judges were appointed by uh, by Trump. Well, um, the the pedophilia jokers uh, roll on in Hollywood, uh, and they're all rallying around uh, this disgraced and fired director. James Gunn, he was the director on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, who um, who was exposed by uh, Mike Cernovich on uh, social media as having written some of the most disgusting and perverted uh, tweets on child molestation and, and uh, child rape that you ever read. And after that, um, there was a just a whole flood of, of these uh, these tasteless um, perverse tweets uh, by Hollywood comedians and actors, uh, My, uh, um, Michael Ian Black, um, uh, this guy Patton Oswald, uh, a director from one of the shows, actually had a YouTube video posted up there where he was simulating rape where he was uh, taking his clothes off and um, uh, raping a um, uh, baby doll i mean some of the sickest stuff you've ever seen and now uh they're all all of hollywood is rallying around this uh disgraced uh director uh gun they've collected about twenty-five thousand signatures from hollywood actors and people in the industry wanting him to be reinstated but the uh, exposure of these, uh, I don't even want to call them tasteless jokes. They're, they're really sick, demented uh, jokes. You know, they, they want to pretend that they're just edgy and, um, and nothing's off limits. But the truth of the matter is that this is just sick. You know, you can, you can make edgy jokes, but we don't joke about children uh, being uh, molested. That's not funny, and children are helpless. We don't want uh, this this sort of um, things uh, ever to become accepted or mainstreamed. I can't read you anything. You know, it's kind of hard to report 
on this story because I am not going to let any of this stuff go out on my air. Um, if, if you want to uh, check to see if I'm accurately describing this, I, I would urge you to go to uh, uh, Twitter and, uh, and look on um, um, Mike Cernovich's feed or uh, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Put, uh, oh, I can't remember. And just check me out. The latest uh, example of this is uh, this actress, Sarah Silverman, who we knew was sick you know, from the other stuff. But uh, a video has surfaced uh, today. Jack Posobiec is the name of the guy. You can search uh, Cernovich or Jack Posobiec and, and see this stuff. It is it is a mountain of this, this kind of filth as well. But um, Sarah Silverman has got a video that she made with Patton Oswald where they've got a van and they're going around town collecting children and uh, and making jokes about uh, molestation and, and child rape. So, you know, you just wonder how much of this uh, uh, leap to the defense of these people is trying to cover up the widespread, uh, reportedly widespread problem of pedophilia in Hollywood. I think probably that's a lot of it. You recall back in the, uh, the last Academy Awards that that street artist Sabo put up on a giant billboard right outside uh, the, the venue where they were holding the Academy Awards. Uh, the Oscar goes for Oscar for the biggest pedophile goes to. There's also some, uh, some um, uh, perverse uh, drawings um, of uh, the president's son, Barron, that have come to light, uh, posted by cartoon networks, uh, creator Justin Roiland, and you just have to ask yourself, man, how sick are th can these people be? Another very disturbing aspect of this story is, uh, oh, Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro likes to, you know, he's from Hollywood, or he's from L.A., I should say, and he likes to triangulate in order to, to be, you know, uh, stay in the cocktail party circuit out there, I suppose, he likes to triangulate, and uh, and even though you know his market for his his podcast and his uh, his website are conservative, he uh, every chance he gets, he likes to declare himself a you know a principled conservative, and throw a lifeline to these leftists that have uh, embarrassed themselves or um, or you know uh, gotten um, exposed, and he's done it once again. He's defending this uh, James Gunn, and you just, I mean, it's sickening that Ben Shapiro, apparently there is nothing uh, that he will not rush to the aid of uh, these uh, these disgraced uh, Hollywood types. This is how uh, these people continue to get by, invited on shows like Bill Maher and, uh, and others by, uh, you know, triangulating. We've got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, the upcoming... Uh, summit between the president and Vladimir Putin at the White House right after these messages on America First Radio.
There is an entrenched war party in Washington, D.C. Uh, it's made up of Democrats and Republicans, the establishment types that get huge campaign contributions from the military-industrial complex. Uh, and as proof of that, you don't have to take my word for it, you can just look at the history of this country getting involved in these, uh, these foreign wars that cost us thousands of the lives of our best and brightest young people and tr literally trillions of dollars with no national interest. Now, I have a lot of people argue with me, oh, oh, uh, Jim, we had to invade Afghanistan. We didn't have, we had to invade Afghanistan. We didn't have to occupy Afghanistan. Anybody that had any sense of history would know that Afghanistan is where empires go to die. We, we will, ladies and gentlemen, leave Afghanistan one day and it will be, it will revert right back to the uh, tribal, clannish warlordism that, uh, that was there when we found it. We are not going to change the fundamental nature of the Afghan people. We can stay there another five years. We can stay there another 15 years. We can stay another 20 years. Eventually, we will leave, and it will revert right back to where it was. So I, I think it's foolish. We didn't need to occupy Afghanistan in order to capture Osama bin Laden, and they even made a hash of that. They chased bin Laden into the mountains of Tora Bora. Then they had a bunch of uh, local warlords with some uh, old vintage Soviet Union artillery set up uh, there on the border with Pakistan, the one nuclear-armed nation on the face of the earth, and blast him into Pakistan where we couldn't chase him. All the while, the uh, one hundred and I'm sorry, the 10th Mountain Division was sitting on C-130s on tarmacs in Germany waiting for an order to deployment so that they could move in and seal those mountain passes and capture him. Now, you can speculate whether or not they did that on purpose or not. I think it's pretty clear they did. But the point I'm trying to make is there was never any reason for us to occupy Afghanistan and to have a ongoing low-level war with the Taliban. The Taliban are part of their society. They will be there when we leave. But this president promised that he was going to try to make peace, and he's keeping that promise despite the constant uh, banging of the war drums by the war party in Washington and, oddly enough, because of their hate for, hatred for Donald Trump, the media, who used to be uh, pretty skeptical skeptical on these issues, have uh, have joined in uh, to the war parties, um, you know, uh, uh, banging the drums for war. Tucker Carlson uh, uh, did a segment on this last night. I, I know that I play a lot of Tucker Carlson, but uh, he is so often right on these issues, and I, I want to uh, play you a clip uh, about him talking about the uh, the establishment rallying around a, a war for Iran. Well, with all the screeching recently about Vladimir Putin and Russia and treason, it's been easy to miss the real news. We have some real news. The United States is inching closer, apparently, to some kind of conflict with Iran. This Sunday, the president tweeted this, quote, to Iranian President Rouhani, never ever threaten the United States again or you will suffer the consequences the likes of which few throughout history have ever suffered before. Now no this this is a case will stand for your demented words of violence and death. Be cautious exclamation point. This is the case of the president uh, using his um, 
his negotiating skills by uh, by upping the ante and then um, offering um, you know an olive branch as he did in North Korea and uh, as he is doing with uh, the Soviet Union. His he hasn't been talking belligerently with Russia. I'm sorry, not the Soviet Union with Russia, but but that's because Russia. <laughs> You know, has uh, hundreds of nuclear-armed missiles pointed at the United States, and you have less margin for error when you're dealing with Russia. By the way, there was a recent poll that shows that American people, uh, a majority of them, uh, support. Oh, first of all, they approved of the uh, summit in Helsinki, and they also approve of uh, the president inviting Vladimir Putin to the White House to continue. Uh, their negotiations to establish peace and, and cooperation between the two nuclear-armed superpowers in the, in the world. But um, right now, uh, you've got the neocons that have uh, infiltrated this administration uh, that are trying to seize on the president's um, tough talk with Iran and the, uh, the revocation of the terrible uh, nuclear deal that um, Barack Obama inked <laughs> and that gave Iran the ability to become a nuclear-armed power uh, in less than a decade, and oh, by the way, delivered $150 billion uh, to their war chest at the same time. But um, they're rallying around the war cries now, and, uh, and Tucker had a, a man named uh, Douglas McGregor on. He's a retired military officer, and here's what he had to say about the situation. Well, look, I think uh, President Trump lost control of the whole appointment process and staffing the government shortly after the election. I don't know the details, but he ended up appointing large numbers of people who subsequently brought in their friends, almost all of whom were opposed to Donald Trump and his agenda. But I think it's important to say something about the president's comment, because the president's right. If you look at the Iranian defense establishment, we spend more money on one Ford class aircraft carrier than Iran spends on its entire military establishment. So if there were a war, it would be a very one-sided affair. But the problem is yes. that wars don't work that way. They tend to move in directions that no one anticipated. Suddenly people that you would think would otherwise avoid conflict might decide that it's not in their interest to see Iran destroyed. And I'm thinking of Russia, and I'm thinking of China as perfect examples. Why would they stand by and watch us pulverize Iran? Well, I would just say, uh, you know, that the, the direct beneficiary for a war with Iran would be Israel. And if Israel wants to go to war uh, and send their uh, sons off to fight and die uh, in Iran, uh, then that's their business. The United States certainly can't afford uh, another worthless war in the Middle East um, that are not in U.S. national interests. Well, the president went on a pretty uh, uh, interesting tweet storm this morning talking about the trade situation. Uh, his first tweet said, The European Union is coming to Washington tomorrow to negotiate a deal on trade. I've got an idea for them. Both the U.S. and the EU drop all tariffs, barriers, and subsidies. That would finally be called a free market and fair trade. Hope they will do it. We are ready. But they won't. So the president right there is calling out these so-called ideological free traders to uh to uh to put up or shut up and uh um none of them have rallied around that talking point interestingly enough 
He goes on in the next tweet, he says, every time I see a weak politician asking to stop trade talks or the use of tariffs to counter unfair tariffs, I wonder what can they be thinking? Are we just going to continue to let our farmers and country get ripped off? Lost $817 billion on trade last year. No weakness. Again, this can't go on forever. The president is trying to address a long-standing, simmering, festering wound in our economy. And at the same time, you've got these, uh, these free trade acolytes out there uh, fighting him tooth and nail. He goes on in the next tweet and says, When you have people snipping at our heels during a negotiation, it will only take longer to make a deal, and the deal will never be as good as it could have been with unity. Negotiations are going really well. Be cool. The end result will be worth it. Again, uh, trying to get these people to stop sniping and second-guessing and arguing and lobbying against a finally, at long last, addressing this terrible situation. He goes on, he says, establishment, tariffs are bad people. Or... <laughs> establishment tariffs are bad people but what about tariffs other countries put on us establishment they are bad but the answer isn't tariffs people what is the answer we've lost entire industries establishment tariffs are bad this is why we elected donald trump because they have no answer they just they want to eliminate tariffs for everybody else when they come into our market but they never, uh, they never have a solution on how we bring down tariffs for our trade competitors. And apparently they're just fine and dandy with us continuing to hemorrhage jobs and prosperity from now on, ad infinitum. Mm -mm -mm. I have a clip here from Larry Kudlow, a free trader himself who's been uh, drug-kicking and screaming uh, to the president's side on this but we're not going to have time to play it. I, I would just say this. Uh, the president has passed, uh, or the Congress is passing this a huge bailout for the farmers. I really don't think it's going to be necessary because new markets will open up. Uh, soybeans and other agricultural products are fungible. And if uh, China buys them from somebody else, then somebody else is just going to have to buy our farmers' uh, products. But they're, uh, they're targeting our farmers because they know that that's the weak link. Uh, but they want to protect their high-value, value-added manufacturing jobs at our expense. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of America First Radio. I want to thank you for joining us. I invite you back tomorrow for another edition on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is... What's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. 
Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.